0: Before we start the show, I would like to tell you about another podcast. For 50 days, Jane will tell you one pun that will make you cringe. You can listen to our show, Daily Pain with Jane, wherever you get to your podcasts. Now, on to the show. to Box of Books. This week I will read the fifth chapter of Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. If you remember what happened in last week's chapter, Anne woke up in her Green Gables room and named the cherry tree outside her window. She went downstairs and ate breakfast with Matthew and Marilla and she finds out she and, and Marilla will go down and talk to Mrs. Spencer to to send her back to the asylum. Okay. Chapter 5 Anne's History Do you know, said Anne confidently, I've made up my mind to enjoy this drive. It's been my experience that you can nearly always enjoy things if you make up your mind firmly that you will. Of course, you must make it up Firmly. I am not going to think about going back to the asylum while we're having our drive. It's just going to... Th- I'm just going to think about the drive. Oh, look. There's one early wild rose out. Isn't it lovely? Don't you think it must be glad to be a rose? Wouldn't it be nice if roses could talk? I'm sure they could tell us such lovely things. And it's—and isn't pink most the most bewitching color in the world? I love it, but I can't wear it. "'Red-headed people can't wear pink, not even in imagination. "'Did you ever know of anybody whose hair was red when she was young, "'but got to be another color when she grew up? "'No, I don't know as, as I ever did,' said Marilla mercilessly. "'And I shouldn't think it likely to happen in your case either.' "'Anne sighed. "'Well, that is another hope gone. "'My life is a perfect graveyard of buried hopes.' That's a sentence I read in a book once, and I say it over to comfort myself whenever I'm disappointed in anything. I don't see where the comforting comes in myself, said Marilla. Why, because it sounds so nice and romantic as if it as if just as if I were a heroine in a book, you know, I am so fond of romantic things, and a graveyard full of buried hopes is as a romantic thing as one can imagine, isn't it? I'm rather glad I have one. Are we going across? Are we going across the lake of shining waters today? We're not going over Barry's pond, if that's what you mean by your lake of shining waters. We're going by the shore road. Shore road. Shore road sounds nice," said Anne. Anne dreamily, "Is it as nice as it sounds? Just when you said shore road, I saw it in a picture in my mind, just as quick as that." And White Sands is a pretty name, too, but I don't like it as well as Avonlea. Avonlea is such a pretty name. It just sounds like music. How far is it to White Sands? It's five miles, and as you're evidently bent on talking, you might as well talk to some purpose by telling me what you know about yourself. Oh, what I know about myself isn't really worth telling, said Anne eagerly, but if you only if you'll only let me tell me about what I, tell you what I imagine about myself, you think it ever so much more interesting. No, I don't want any of your imaginings. So you just stick to bald facts. Back to the beginning, begin at the beginning. Where were you born and how old are you? I was eleven last March," said Anne, resigning herself to bald facts with a little sigh. And I was born in Bolingbroke. Bolingsbrook, Nova Scotia. My father's name was Walter Shirley, and he was a teacher at the Bolingbrook High School. My mother's name was Bertha Shirley. Aren't Walter and Bertha such lovely names? I'm so glad my parents had nice names. It would be a a real disgrace to have a father named, well, say, Jedediah, wouldn't it? I guess it doesn't matter, matter what a person's name is as long as he behaves himself, said Marilla, feeling herself called upon to inculate as good, a good and useful moral. Well, I don't know, Anne and looked thoughtful. I read, I read in a book once that a rose by any other name wouldn't smell as sweet, but I've never been able to believe it. I don't believe a rose would be as nice if it was called a thistle, Thistle or skunk cabbage. I suppose my father would be had been a good man, even if he had been called Jedediah, but I'm sure it would have been a cross. Well, my mother was a teacher in the high school too, but when she married my thought fa- when she but when she married father, she gave up teaching. Of course, a husband was a responsibility. Mrs. Thomas, Mrs. Thomas says said that. They were a pair of babies, and as poor as church mice. They went to live in a weeny teeny little house in Bullingsbrook. I've never seen that house, but I've imagined it thousands of times. I think it must have been a honeysuckle honeysuckle over the parlor window, and lilacs in the front yard, and lily of the valley outside the gate. Yes, and muslin curtains in all the windows. Muslin curtains give a house such an air. I was born in that house. Mrs. Thomas said I was the homeliest baby she ever saw. I'm so scrawny and tiny, but no- and nothing but eyes. But that mother said I thought I was perfectly beautiful. I should think a mother would be a better judge than a poor woman who came in to scrub, wouldn't you? I- I'm glad she was satisfied with me anyhow. I'd feel so sad if. I thought I was a disappointment to her, because she didn't lo- live very long after that, you see. She died of fever when I was just three months old. I do wish she'd live, uh, lived long enough to, for me to remember calling her mother. I think it would be so sweet to say mother, don't you? And father died four days after afterwards from fever, fever too. That left me an orphan, and folks were at their wits' end, so Mrs. Thomas said. What to do with me? You see, nobody wanted me even then. It seems to be my fate. Father and mother had both come from places far away, and it was well known that they didn't have any relatives living. Finally, Mrs. Thomas said she'd take me, although she was poor and had a drunken husband. She brought me up by hand. Do you know if there is anything in being brought up by hand that ought to make people who are brought up that way better than other people because whenever I was naughty Mrs. Thomas would ask me how I could be such a bad girl when she had brought me up by hand reproachful like. Mr. and Mrs. Thomas moved away from Burlingbrook Bol- to May- Marysville and I lived with them until I was eight years old. I helped look, looked at, look after the Thomas children. There were four of them younger than me. I tell you that I and I can tell you, they took a lot of looking after. Then Mister Thomas was killed falling under a train, and his mother offered to take Missus Thomas and the children, but she wouldn't want, but she didn't want me. Missus Thomas was at her woods end, so she said, "What to do with me?" Then Missus Hammond, from up the river, came down and said she'd take me, seeing I was handy with children. I went up the river to live. With her in a little clearing among the stumps, it was a very lonesome place. I'm sure I could never have worked, I never have lived there. I had an imagination. Mr. Hammond worked at a little sawmill up there, and Mrs. Hammond had eight children. She had twins three times. I like babies in moderation, but twins three times is in succession is too much. I told Mrs. Hammond so firmly when the last pair came. I used to get so dreadfully t- tired carrying them about. I lived up the river with Mrs. Hammond over two years. Then Mrs. Ha- Mr. Hammond died, and M- Mrs. Hammond broke up housekeeping. She divided her children among her relatives and went to the States. I had to go to the as- asylum in Hopetown because nobody would take me. They didn't want me in the asylum either. They said they were overcrowded as it was. They had to take me, and I was there for four months until Missus Sponsor came. Anne finished up with another sigh of relief. This time, evidently, she did not like talking about her experiences in a world that didn't had not wanted her. Did you ever go to school? demanded Marilla, turning the, sorrel, bear down the shore, sorrel mare down the shore road. Not a great deal. I went a little the last year. I stayed with Missus Miss, Thomas. When I went up the river, we were so far from school that I couldn't walk it in winter, and there was a vacation in the summer, so I could only go in the spring and fall. But of course, I went in while I was at the asylum. I can read pretty well, and know ever so many pieces of poetry off by heart. The the battle of Ho, Ho and Linden, and, and a bird after Flodden and Bingen on the Rhine, and most of, and most of the lady of the lake and most of the seasons by james thompson don't you just love poetry that gives you a, a crinkly feeling up a feeling up and down your back there is a piece of in the fifth reader the downfall of poland that is just full of thrills of course i wasn't in the fifth reader i was only in the fourth but the big girls used to lend me theirs to read who are these women mrs thomas and mrs hammond were these women mrs thomas and M- Mrs. Hammond, good to you? asked Marilla, looking at Anne out of the corner of her eye. Oh faltered Anne. Her sensitive little face suddenly flushed scarlet with embar- and embarrassment sat on her brow. Oh, they meant to be I know they meant to be just as good and kind as possible. And when people meant mean to be good at you, you don't mind very much when you're not quite always when they're not quite always. They had a, gr- a good deal to worry them, you know. It's very trying to have a drunken husband, you see, and it must be very trying to have twins three times in succession, don't you think? But I feel sure they meant to be good to me." Marilla asked no more questions. Anne gave herself up to a silent rapture over the shore road, and um, and Marilla di- uh, guided the sorrel abstractly while she pondered deeply pity suddenly start stirring in the, her heart for the child what a starved unloved life she she had had a life of drudgery and poverty and neglect for Marilla was shrewd enough to read between the lines of anne's history and divine the truth no mad no wonder she had been so diligent at the prospect of a real home it was a pity she had to be sent back What if she, Marilla, should indulge Matthew's accountable whim and let her stay? He was set on it, and the child seemed a nice, teachable little thing. She's got too much to say, thought Marilla, but she might be trained out of that. And there's nothing rude or slangy in what she does say. She's ladylike. It's likely her people were nice folks. The shore road was was woodsy and wild and lonesome. On the right hand, scrub furs there... Spirits, quite unbroken by long years of tussle with the Gulf winds, grew thickly. On the left were steep red sandstone cl- stans- sandstone cliffs, so near the track in places that, so near the track in places that a mare of less steadiness than the sorrel might have tried the nerves of the people behind her. Down at the base of the cliffs were heaps of surf-worn rocks or little sandy coves inlaid with pebbles as with o- ocean jewels L- beyond lay the sea shimmering and blue over it soared gulls, and their pinions flushed silver- silvery in the sunlight isn't the sea wonderful said anne rousing from a long wide-eyed silence once when i lived in marysville Miss- Mrs. Thomas, mr thomas had. I- hired an express wagon and took us all to spend the day at the shore 10 miles away i enjoyed every moment of that day even if i had to look after the children all the time i lived it over in happy dreams for years but this shore is nicer than the marysville shore aren't those goals splendid would you like to be a gull? i think it, i would that is if i couldn't be a human girl don't you think it would be nice to wake up at sunrise and swoop down over the water and away out over the lovely blue all day, and then at night fly back to one's nest. Oh, I can just imagine myself doing it. What big house is just ahead, please? That's the White Sands Hotel. Mr. Kirk runs it, but the season hasn't begun yet. There are heaps of Americans come, come down here for the summer. They think the shore is just about right. I was afraid it might be Mrs. Spencer's place, said Anne mournfully. I don't want to get there. Somehow it will seem like the end of everything. That ends the fifth chapter of Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. Later this week, I will release my bonus episode. I can't wait. See you next week. Keep reading! guys i'm glad you're still listening after even after the episode ended but i've decided to add a new segment to the show um for shout outs i have already been doing some shout outs for my sisters and my cousins but i've just in the show notes but i've decided to put them in the show because they're easier to hear in the show but um this week's shout out is to my cousin adri Hello Adri, I'm glad you're listening. Um after I I'm just excited that you're that I have some listeners that listen every every week and um after I finish the book I hope that you'll go and read it for yourself because it's just the best book ever. I love this book so much. But thank you for listening. Okay, keep reading. Bye.